exactly did Donald Trump mean when he said that? Well, for followers of QAnon, that was a bit of a watershed moment. So was the Easter egg roll when Donald Trump appeared next to a giant white rabbit. So was his last rally when he kept saying 17, and he pointed at someone in the audience who had a Q on their shirt. Welcome to Bots and Ballots from Yahoo News. I'm Grant Birmingham. According to a conspiracy birthed online by an anonymous poster on 4chan, since named Q, These are all signs that Trump is in on an anti-deep state conspiracy. One that is Mueller working for Trump and trying to lock up Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and other prominent Democrats for child sex trafficking. The Illuminati is involved, as is the Titanic. Today I'm talking to Mark Fisher, senior editor for the Washington Post, who has recently written about QAnon. QAnon is a wild conspiracy that most mainstream Republicans won't touch. But it has been mentioned by Kurt Schilling and Roseanne Barr. It has its own subreddit with tens of thousands of subscribers. It's often on 4chan, and if you search YouTube, you will find thousands of videos, some with hundreds of thousands of views, explaining it. It's not fake news exactly, since it's not on any news channel most of us listen to. But it has captured the minds of tens of thousands of our fellow Americans, and showed up at Trump rallies. Whatever QAnon is, it says a lot about the state of politics in this country now. How a vast political conversation can take place out of view for most of us on social media websites, and how an idea can morph and grow, and, of course, how people have found ways to make money off of it. Mark Fisher, thank you so much for joining me today on Bots and Ballads. Happy to be with you. Why don't you start out by telling us what QAnon or QAnon is? Well, it depends kind of on who you are and what you like to believe about life and reality. If you're somebody who believes that Q is real, then you think that there's a guy somewhere in the deep state, somewhere deep in the U.S. government, who is an agent who is unwilling or not able to reveal his true identity, who has since last October been putting out clues Uh, to a vast conspiracy in which uh, Donald Trump is trying to bring about a counter coup against uh, the forces that are trying to tear him down and that uh, he has appointed Robert Mueller as special counsel not to come after Trump, but exactly the opposite, to somehow support Trump. And it's, it's a vast, unwieldy kind of conspiracy theory that gets into everything from pedophilia to Uh, all sorts of political shenanigans, and all of these are distributed on online sites such as Reddit and 4chan, uh, where communities of people come together and uh, traffic in these rumors from this guy Q, uh, and the the whole movement calls itself QAnon, as in anonymous. Now, of course, if you don't believe in those kinds of conspiracies, this is something that someone has concocted for whatever reasons to distract people from whatever truths are out there, and to uh, create this sense of uh, foreboding, this sense of uh, that the society is uh, coming apart at the seams. So it seems like 
the conspiracy does two things for Donald Trump supporters. One, it makes Donald Trump look like a hero and some sort of anti-pedophile sting. And it also keeps pressure on his opponents and makes it seem like they might get arrested at any moment. You know, I wouldn't paint it with such a broad brush as to say this represents Trump supporters in any large-scale way. Um, you know, this burst onto the public scene last week when we saw the president holding a rally at which a number of people were wearing Q shirts and holding up signs about QAnon. And it made it look like this very fringe online discussion was kind of breaking out into the mainstream through appearing on the TV coverage of the president's rally. But, you know, this is still a pretty fringy kind of thing. Of course, that doesn't make it any less dangerous. Uh, we saw with Pizzagate last year where rumors about a pedophilia ring in the Democratic Party could lead some poor soul to, to go into a, a pizza place in northwest Washington, D.C. and shoot up the place. So, you know, these can have very dangerous uh, ramifications, but I don't think it's at a point where we can say that it's uh, large numbers of Trump supporters. And we've already had someone try and shut down the Hoover Dam who was apparently armed. Yeah, people who are deep into these kinds of conspiracy theories will sometimes feel deeply moved to take action. You know, the American historian Richard Hofstadter wrote a book back in the 50s about the paranoid style in American politics. And there is this continuous theme in American politics going back for a century or more where because of our belief in individualism, because of the way we honor renegades and rogues in this society, it's relatively easy for people to latch on to these theories in which everyone's against them and they need to take action to save their fellow men and women. You've been a journalist for decades and covering politics for decades, both in the United States and out of the United States. I wonder if this moment feels different to you. And I also wonder whether it feels like a digital moment, whether this is something wholly birthed by the internet. You know, it's both. Um, it's It feels very much of a piece with the kind of conspiracies we've seen in my lifetime and in uh, years before that. If you think back to the 1950s and McCarthyism, it's the same kind of thing. One senator could say that there's a communist conspiracy that's taken over the U.S. government and he's going to root them out. And there were people around the country who believed it. Now, why did they believe it? For the same reasons people are believing in QAnon now. These kinds of conspiracy theories take root at moments when the society is going through a really tough dislocation where the economy is not necessarily in bad shape. You could argue that the economy today is in pretty good shape, but where the economy is changing really quickly. That's where the technology piece comes in. And certainly there has been a wholesale change in the way we work and in the availability of jobs or at least traditional jobs. And whenever that happens, you see an uptick in these kinds of conspiracy theories and the willingness of people to believe that the system is rigged against them. This was at the core of Trump's message in the 2016 campaign. Everything was rigged against uh, everyday people. But what makes this moment more dangerous is, as you say, the, the change in technology because rumors and conspiracy theories like these messages from Q can now be distributed with the speed of light to 
all kinds of people across the country in a, in a, just a super efficient way that was never possible before. And the ability to push back against that is being undermined by, of all people, the president of the United States, who's telling people, don't believe what you see and hear, as he said at a rally a couple of weeks ago. So that combination is new. The Washington Post has published 12 articles on this in four days. I'm wondering <laughs> if you can tell me what... What do you guys weigh when you decide whether or not to cover something like this? I was just uh, responding uh, earlier today to uh, several readers who wrote to me expressing that exact concern that we were making too much of QAnon and that we were giving it more oxygen than it deserved and thereby helping it grow. And that's a legitimate question. And uh, certainly we, we think about that. We had not done anything about QAnon until last week. And so even though we were aware of it and we were watching it and and uh, thinking about you know when and what's the right way to cover something like this because it is so fringy and it is so bizarre. And the moment for us that pushed this into a story that needed coverage was when these signs and these shirts and hats and so on appear sprinkled through the audience at a presidential rally. And so that puts it front and center uh, in the the eyes and ears of, uh, of Americans who are watching the rally or some segment of it on TV or online. And so at that point, I don't think we have any choice but to be responsible and say, okay, what is this? Dig into it, investigate. Uh, and try to explain so that readers can say, oh, you know, I, I see this is a conspiracy theory and this fits in uh, to a pattern with the Pizzagate and other kinds of conspiracy theories that have been popping up over the last couple of years. So, you know, I, th I think it would be irresponsible to ignore them at this stage. So I know I just asked you if you're covering it too much. Do you mind if I make the argument the other way around? Go for it. I have spent a lot of time studying disinformation systems and how modern disinformation works. And a lot of it is creating these information voids, which can only be filled by disreputable sources. So in other words, QAnon has been smoldering for over a year. And if you Google QAnon, the only thing that comes up are these YouTube videos, which are actually very well produced, um, and these articles on 4chan, on Reddit, and it just feeds this, this beast for people who are looking for information on it. So I guess my argument would be maybe the Washington Post should be covering this in its earliest stages. Well, sure. Um, I mean, I, I can certainly see the, the argument for uh, covering these things as soon as they pop up. But um, I think the, the argument against that is that you don't want to uh, give oxygen to something that really is not terribly significant. And that's a judgment call, and different news organizations will and should make different decisions about that. We don't want to be the ones who make it catch on. I think that's manipulating the news, and I think that would be wrong of us. Where it bursts onto the public scene at a presidential rally, that to me is a clear signal, an easy call to go ahead and report on it. Uh, should we have jumped in earlier? 
you know, you could certainly say that when a group like QAnon has several hundred thousand followers, as it did on Reddit and 4chan, that maybe it was worthy of uh, some earlier attention. You know, it's like covering Alex Jones and Infowars. How much do you want to be the megaphone that takes that message and and, uh, sends it out to a wider audience? And how much do you want to be the check against it? It's, uh, there are no ironclad answers as to when and how to go about debunking, but certainly in this atmosphere, uh, there's a good argument to be made that earlier is better. It seems like conspiracy theories are getting more toxic. Before this, we had Sandy Hook, where the parents of a toddler who was killed have had to move seven times because they've been continually harassed by conspiracy theorists. And now we have people showing up with guns at pizza parlors in the Hoover Dam. Is this getting worse? You know, I don't know that it's getting worse. I think conspiracy theories have always led some people, particularly people who are psychologically attuned to reacting to that kind of thing. Uh, You know, this goes back to 1967 when Paul is dead phenomenon happened. And and there was this widespread conspiracy theory uh, that was widely believed by many Americans that Paul McCartney was dead. It took Life magazine sending a reporter and photographer to McCartney's uh, estate in Scotland to try to prove with photos and other evidence that he was actually still alive. But he was he was actually replaced by a double. <laughs> that he was replaced by a double, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were people who believed all, all manner of, of stuff about him. And again, you know, that was in a time of tremendous generational and social dislocation and uh, conflict. And so you saw a reaction to that same kind of dissonance that people felt, you know, really detached from the things that had grounded them in their families, in their communities, and so on. And so they reacted by latching on to a conspiracy theory and acting on it. People were showing up at his estate and and, uh, harassing his family and so on. So uh, that kind of reaction has has really been around for decades. And, uh, but I think, again, it's, it's been supercharged now by uh, the internet and the ability of uh, really crazy conspiracy theories to look plausible. So QAnon supporters were gleeful that Donald Trump kept using the the number 17 in his speech because that's the Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. I'm not suggesting he was deliberately nodding to the Q conspiracy, although several prominent conservatives have retweeted things which seem to be code for for the QAnon conspiracy or uh, actually endorsed it. But would it actually hurt Donald Trump to do that if he were to start making nods to the QAnon conspiracy? You know, I think there's a real tendency to ascribe to Trump all kinds of intent and uh, sort of conspiratorial uh, stylings uh, that that just are not there. He is. He thinks of himself first and foremost as a showman, as an entertainer, and so especially at the rallies, he will do and say things uh, that are meant purely to assure that he stays on TV. 
and stays at the center of attention. And so when he has in the past made vaguely positive remarks about Infowars and Alex Jones, that's uh, a deliberate provocation. That's a way of uh, signaling to a certain audience that he recognizes the sort of culture therein and not endorsing it at least is, is giving it a nod. I don't see that happening with QAnon. I don't think he was aware of it. I don't see any reason to believe that he's including any uh, special clues in his speeches or uh, engaging in any uh, obscure numerology or anything like that. Uh, I think what's happening is people are searching desperately for something they can use that connects with the conspiracy theory that they're reading about. And they're finding it because he's rambling all over the place and saying things that they can use. I think uh, it's generally safer when examining Trump's remarks and actions to ascribe them to a desire to be provocative and to be at the center of attention rather than to have any kind of uh, thought out policy or even conspiracy um, strategy behind it. A rational person probably would have dismissed Q and then suddenly it's popping up at a presidential rally and we're all supposed to give it some credence or at least examine it. Is this just the world now? It, is it just crazy? Crazy has always been an undercurrent in American society. There's always been this pe uh, penchant for uh, taking a look at conspiracies and considering um, you know, whether there's some truth we're not being told. So I, I don't think that what we're seeing now is completely out of step with uh, American culture. I think it's, it's, a, it's an important piece of it. But, but I do think that there's more danger now than there has been because these things can spread more widely at this moment than ever before, both because of technology and because of Trump. And the president plays this very dangerous game where he encourages people to disbelieve. He encourages people to mistrust anyone other than himself. And for him, it's all about himself. It's all about how do I keep and uh, how do I get and keep Trump at the absolute center. Uh, but there's all sorts of ancillary damage that's done along the way. And part of that damage is the spread of these conspiracy theories and the ability of lone actors to go out and take action because of these conspiracy theories. And that, that's, that's the real danger here. And that's what we're uh, living kind of on the cusp of. And, uh, I, you know, I don't think Trump is terribly aware of it. And I don't think he would particularly care either way. So you think these things are just going to keep popping up like mushrooms on whatever mushrooms grow on? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think we'll see uh, more of these. We have a technology that is set up beautifully to foster and spread these ideas. We have large and powerful and wealthy technology companies that are at the very least amoral about uh, these kinds of things and at worst uh, actually uh, like having these stories spread because it brings them more clicks and more time, more engagement on their sites. And so we've talked a lot about Trump's role in fomenting these kinds of ideas, but I think we would be irresponsible not to mention the roles of not just Reddit and 4chan and, and some of the more fringy uh, forums on the internet, but also Twitter and, and Facebook and the, the big social media corporations uh, that have really been the forefront of spreading conspiracy theories and uh, extremism uh, because of their refusal to provide any kind of an editing function, uh, their refusal to admit that they are media companies and that they should take responsibility for their content. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Pleasure to be with you. 
you had a chance to listen to my episode last week with former FBI agent Clint Watts, I think you'll understand why QAnon is so interesting to me. This is a homegrown disinformation campaign. We don't need to worry about Russia anymore. At least we don't need to worry about just Russia anymore. We need to worry about ourselves. There was a tiny news item today that is exactly what I'm talking about. A group of researchers at San Diego State University looked at the online conversation around vaping, and they found the majority of comments, the ones saying it was safe, the ones saying it was unsafe, were bots selling something. Whatever 2018 unleashed, it's here to stay, and it's going to be used to sell you candidates and soda pop from now on. That's it for Bots and Bouts this week from Yahoo News. I'm Grant Burningham. Please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Mark Fisher from the Washington Post, Lizzie Peabody for field recording, and as always to Leah Hitchens, my producer. Thanks for listening.